Pastor Mike McCoy, welcoming you to the Time of Truth. Let's let's go to Leviticus 23. I'll read. I'll read. Uh, beginning in verse number four. We'll start. I'll pray, and I'll get you out of here before the Waffle House closes. I promise. Leviticus 23, the books in this, the, the, the Bible's in this book, and, and Leviticus, there's things in there that, that you just can't find anywhere else, and it just, I don't know, it speaks to me, and it used to be the, the book, Leviticus and First Chronicles, there's two books that most people don't know, that's not going to read them. I mean, who cares if so-and-so begat so-and-so and he begat that one, and by the time you got done, you begat so many begats, you forgot who begat what. But every word's, every words, it's, it's there for purpose. Every name's there for purpose. One of these days, they're going to look in the original, and remember what happened in Nehemiah? They came, and they couldn't find their name in the genealogy. And they booed them out. Booed them out because their name wasn't in there. Can I tell you there's a book in heaven? Aren't you glad there's a record being kept? If you're born again, you got a name there. Aren't you glad your name's in that book? Somebody begat me. I've been begotten by the word, by the way. Leviticus 23, verse number 4. If you're there, say amen. amen. Begin reading. Read down through verse number 8. These are the feast of the Lord, even holy convocations. That simply means a called assembly. That's all that is. A convocation is a calling assembly. They call them to come together. Which ye shall proclaim in their seasons. In the 14th day of the first month at even is the Lord's Passover. Now that's not explained here because it's, in de it's detailed in Exodus. So here... He's given the law. He just reminded them this is when it is and this is what it is. Then he comes to the feast of unleavened bread. That's what I'm concerned about tonight. I'm going to talk about that for a few minutes. And on the 15th day of the same month is the feast of unleavened bread under the Lord. Seven days you must eat unleavened bread. In the first day you shall have a holy convocation. What's a convocation? A, a gathering, a called assembly. So you're going to have a holy convocation. So it makes a difference that it's holy. It's not just your everyday run-of-the-mill get-together. It's holy. It's representative of the Lord. You shall do no servile work therein. Watch this. But you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord seven days. In the seventh day is a holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein. Father, I love you. Thank you for the night and the time and for the slide. Lord, the pictures of our brothers that went to do work in, a, in another part of the world. I pray that you'd help us tonight expound on this, Lord, on the unleavened bread. It'd be a blessing to you people. You'd fill my mouth and guard my tongue, and I'd be accurate in the scripture. I love you. I praise you for this time and this night. What a privilege it is to do what I do, Lord. You've sure been a good God to me. 
Help me, God, be effective for the cause of my Christ. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> and amen. Now, unleavened bread. Uh, just a few things here that I'm going to mention tonight. First, this is, this is seven annual Jewish feasts that God, that God instructed them to have. Well, it's a command, actually. It's more than instruction. God commanded them. Here's what you're going to do. Seven feasts annually, every year. You're not going to miss. You're not going to miss. You're going to do this every year. You're going to have, you're going to have Passover. We talked about that and just read it here. Talked about it last week. It's typical of Christ. I think you're going to see him in these, by the way. You're going to see Jesus in these feasts. So it's typical of Christ. It is this. What did it show? We've seen a slain lamb. John said it like this, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. John 1, 29. So we see this is a picture. It's a slain lamb. He said a lamb for a house. Every house had to have a lamb. Every house, this tabernacle, you know, is going, the, the house of this tabernacle needs the lamb. If you don't have the lamb, the house is going down. Had to have a lamb. That lamb is a picture of Jesus. Slain lamb, shed blood. Wasn't just a lamb, they had to kill the lamb. So they take that lamb on the 10th day, they hold that lamb for four days, they kill that lamb. So what, is it, what day was the lamb killed on? 14th of the month of April. Now, we're going, we, we read here on the unleavened blood. So we have the slain lamb, the shed blood, and the seal of the blood. Where was the blood at? On the door. The, the blood is on the door. It's on the side post and the lintel over top or the over post, top post. So the blood's all around the door. Now, we are, we are the shed blood without the shedding of blood. Hebrews 9, what is there, Brother Junior? No remission of sin. So it took the shed blood. Who's that a picture of? Again, picture of Jesus. This is, a, this is elementary stuff, but not, not everyone knows this. Also, the seal of the blood. He's washed us by his own blood from our sin. It's by his blood. You know what's between me and my sin? The blood. Praise God for the blood. I used to say this often preaching. I don't use it much anymore. I'd say, praise God, when, when the Lord looks at me, he looks through a crimson curtain. Isn't that good? We're in a tough place if he's not viewing us. By the blood, the blood's on the mercy seat. He has washed us from our sin in his own blood. Revelation 1 and 5. So now we come, we come to the unleavened bread. Who is this for? It's for the Jew. So this is the Jews' unleavened bread feast. This is the feast. Just a couple of things about this. One, prior to this, all leaven had to be removed from the home. Couldn't have anything in the home that was leaven. But now, I learned this and studied. They considered other things, Brother Gordon. It wasn't just yeast. But it was whatever mixed with the flour or the crushed seed to make the meal. It's whatever was mixed with that that would ferment would be considered leaven. So we think, hey, well, maybe it's just... We get rid of all the yeast, but there's a lot of things. You get to looking at it like that. There's a lot of things that ferment the bread. I'll make there's a spiritual application there. Let me talk about 
the Jews' feast first, if I may. So they had to be removed. You find that in Exodus 12. All had to be removed before the Passover. Why? Because you're going to eat the unleavened bread the day after. Passover is on the 14th. The day after Passover. We see it here. And on the 15th day. So the day after, they have to have the unleavened bread. They begin to eat the unleavened bread. Couldn't have any leaven in there. It also, it speaks to the purification of the home. Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump, A+. plus. So it didn't take much. You know how much leaven God tolerated on the day of the unleavened bread feast? Zero, Matthew, that's right. Zero leaven. There's none here. If it's here, the blessing's not there. If it's here, you've broken the law. If it's here, you don't get what God wants you to have. If it's here, God says no. Now, spiritual application speaks to the purification of the home. Jesus said in Matthew 16, he said, now beware of the leaven of the scribes and the Pharisees. And that's the religious people. That's the religious people. As anybody says me, I know you have, but maybe not everyone. But, but there, I've been watching these, watching these uh, videos of just different, just different church services, different, different folks out there doing what they do every week. And I'm telling you, it's wild. And if they are, obviously they're not reading the same Bible I am. And if they are, they've drawn their own conclusions and making it say, I mean, it doesn't say that. God said, my, my, my point is this, purification is a real deal. And, and I'm, who's this? Who's this does this? McComas, halo checker. Don't see any out there. You know what that says? We can all use a little bit of that. Randall said it the other night up here. Preaching, song leading. I used to do the same thing. You're in a bad place. I'm telling you, you're headed. I'd, I'd lead a verse of song, preach 15 minutes over an old sanctuary. And, but he said it the other night. When we finally get there, when we finally get there, no more sin. Zero. I'm not saying about habitual sin. I'm saying not a wrong thought, not a wrong thing, nothing. When I get there, when, I, when he shall appear, we shall be like him. Hallelujah. So here we have, in the Jewish feast, we have it, all the leavens removed, Exodus 12, speaks of the purification of the home, a little leaven leavened at the whole lump. Then it's seven days celebrated, seven days. Something interesting about this. No servile work. But then you had to make an offering. Well, when it was the Sabbath, there was no work. You could eat. But this is servile work. So it had to be, there had to be. He says, on the first day, you couldn't do servile work. But then, 
you have, but ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord seven days. In the seventh day is a holy convocation. You shall do no servile work. So on the first day, no servile work. The other days you're working, you're preparing the offerings. On the last day, there's no servile work. What is that? What is that? Why? Why are we? We're, so we're here. We start. We have no servile work on the first day. And then we have to make an offering. So it takes a little effort to clean the animal. Or prepare the sacrifice. Whatever it might be. But then... And you're looking at me for an answer. I'm at, I don't have it. But then, again on the last day, no servile work. I didn't find the answer. I just found it interesting. There's you some Bible study. Why in the world? Well, why didn't we just not have it throughout the week? Well, he wanted an offering. That's obvious. So you had to do something for an offering to be made. There's something to do with that seven days. He started it, and on the seventh day, he completed it. There's something in that, Brother Randalls. There's something in that seven days right there. I don't know exactly what it is. I'm still chewing on that. I'm telling you, I'm learning right along with the rest of you. I don't have all the answers. If anybody ever tells me they got all the answers, I'm very uh, skeptical of that character, just to be honest. I've read too many commentaries, and nobody has the same opinion here. That's why I'm not giving you mine. It's, it, is a, it is a question. It leaves, you know what it does, Brother Branch? It leaves me looking. That's something I don't understand. Till I get that, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep digging. I'm going to keep looking till I get that. Now, sometimes God just drops it out of the sky, Donnie, and hits me right in the head, and I go, why didn't I see that before? But I'll keep digging, Mark. I'll keep looking. One of these days he'll show it to me. And I, I just hadn't found it yet. Or he hadn't revealed it to me. How, how do you know? God reveals things to you when you need them. When you need them. You'd have thought we needed it tonight, but maybe planted that in one of you. Some of you are going to start digging, looking for that thing. But all of that, all of that, with all that said, that, that pretty much covers. The Jewish unleavened bread. We could just walk away and say, well, there's not much to that until we start looking at Jesus as the bread. Now, business picks up. So we see the Jews' unleavened bread feast. Now let's see Jesus, our bread. Number one, you know what this unleavened bread was it's pure bread there's there's no there's no leaven in it nothing nothing spoiled nothing that'll make it rise puff up expand nothing that makes it uh, the taste isn't appealing to the flesh how many people in here like sourdough better than plain unleavened bread Amen. sure you do don't sit there and act like you don't you pass the plate around. These people from camp meetings cried for three years since Mary's not been able to be here and make that bread. That's all I hear. Where'd the bread? Something happened to the bread woman. The bread woman die. She move away. I said, no, she just can't come. Got a sick husband. Can't come to her. Oh, why? All from crackers. See which one they'd rather have. <laughs> we like it. 
There's none of that in this bread that appeals to the flesh. He said, when they see me, there's no beauty in me. They'll desire me. He was never puffed up, though he could have been. Though he should have been. He never was. He humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That's my Jesus right there. That's what he done, praise God. Pure bread. No leaven. Hebrews 7, and about verse 25 or 6. Holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. That's him. Pilate said, I find in him no fault at all. That's him. Unleavened Jesus, our bread. Then John 6, about all the way through John 6, starting about verse 20, some 22, the great discourse on the bread of life. You know what he says? I am the bread. No part with me. I am the bread of life. He is our bread. As a matter of fact, he was born in Bethlehem. And you know what that means? House of bread. He's born in the bread house. He is the bread. There's no, there's no leaven in him, praise God. Nothing to make him unpure. Not only is it pure bread, he's the bread of life. And it's essential. Brother Junior quoted my verse. It's essential for our spiritual life. People that aren't spiritually mature, you know why they're not? They're not eating the bread. Just not eating the bread. I guarantee you, everything we need. You know what was in the manna? Every single thing they needed to sustain them. Their feet didn't even swell. I mean, they didn't have a thing wrong with them. They walked through the wilderness for them 40 years and every time they took a, every time they took a bite of that manna, they had everything they needed for that day. Can I suggest to you, as your pastor, that you get up and take a bite of bread out of this blessed writ every day? Some takes big bites, some takes little bites, some some nibbles, some snacks. Our grandson grazes. He just pour it out on the table. Come by and get a handful and go on. He'll be back later on. Don't pick it up. He'll eat it in a little bit. That may be way some of you do the work. You get a little bit now. Pick a little bit up at lunch. Come back at supper time. Get another verse. But just eat on the bread. It's prepared bread. It's essential for our spiritual life. Number two, this bread is prepared. Uh, it's called matzo, matzo. Uh, I, I'm not sure how they pronounce it. But... But it's, it's, it, to understand it, we need to see what occurs in order for them to have this un, unleavened bread. Because it's just, it, it, just it, it makes the picture of Jesus even a little clearer. It's not clear to them, but it's clear to me because I know what happened to Jesus. I've read the book. I know, I know what happened. So one, one, they gather all this, they gather all this seed up. They burn, they, and there's no chaff on this, by the way. And whatever, whatever seed they're using, whether it be the wheat or the barley, whichever, and, and they, would, they would take it, the chaff would be removed, so it's just the pure seed. And then they would crush the seed. I mean, they would pulverize the seed. And Isaiah 53, 5 says, And he was wounded for our transgression. 
He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. I'm going to tell you, the seed was crushed. The seed of the woman mentioned in, in, in Genesis 3.15, that seed was crushed. Who is that seed? That is Jesus. Such a picture of Jesus. Crushed. He was crushed for us. This bread's expensive bread. The bread is crushed. But then, but then, I didn't know this. I learned this this afternoon. But then the bread, you know what they do to this bread? They pierce the bread. They poke holes in it. They poke holes in the bread. After it's crushed, the oil's applied. They rub it out. Then they, they poke holes in the bread. And that's, that's so the heat, that's so the heat, it, it, it transfers all the way through. So, was he pierced? John 19, 34. 34? John 19 and 34. He's pierced. When they come and they see that he's dead already, you know what the soldier done? And what come forth? Blood and water came forth. He's been pierced. You know what that's another picture of? They never had an idea, Brother Jerry. But every time they was poking a hole in that bread, Jesus was in heaven thinking, that's going to be me. That's going to be me. They're going to do, they're going to do that to me. But watch this, Mike. This is a hippie. You know what happens when there's holes in the bread? You can see the light through it. When it's pierced, it reveals the light. You can see the light through the bread. Jesus said, he not only said, I am the bread. He said, I'm the light. So we have him. We have him. We have him pierced. We have him placed in the fire. In Hebrews 4.15, here's what he said. We have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of an, our, our infirmities. But was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. The feeling of our infirmity, the thing that hurts us, the thing that injures us, the thing that bothers us. You know what the Lord can say? I know how you're feeling. Yeah, here's, don't ever say this to somebody because really you don't. Even if you've been in their situation, tell them. Say, I've been where you're at, but never tell them, I know how you're feeling. Because you don't know. You don't know how they're feeling. But I tell you who does know. Jesus knows how you're feeling. He was touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Everything that bothers me, everything that hurts me, everything I've ever been through, hey, even the things I brought on myself, Jesus knows what it feels like. He's placed in the fire, and the bread's left in the fire until it's finished. You know what this is? It's not only pure bread, prepared bread, pierced bread, but it is this. It's perfect bread. Why do you say that, preacher? Because Hebrews 13 and 8 said, Jesus Christ the same today and forever. There it is. So I, 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 went, I went to Google. Well, I've done that in 20 minutes. That's quicker than I thought I'd do it. I went... I went to Google this afternoon. Just, just, uh, just. Uh, I don't believe everything that's on the internet, but I do research some stuff on it. And so I'm looking. 
just for curiosity's sake. And I, 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 I type in longest shelf life, long, bread with the longest shelf life. What do you reckon that means? Unleavened bread. Longest shelf life. Sourdough bread's close because of the stuff that's in it keeps it from molding. It's already got the stuff in it, and it's close. But, but for a year, if you're going over a year, you go to that unleavened bread. I got to thinking, Brother Brantz, we got some out here in a box somewhere, and that stuff may have been there for five years. I don't know. And you didn't know it. We're just pouring new stuff out that's five years old. And we're just taking the bread. That may be why some of you voted to keep the cups. Because you think that that's a little fresher. But you really don't know. We don't know how old that piece of bread on top of that cup is. Chung Yang Yi probably put it on a cup in China over there. And, we, and it's been shipped and set in storage. Took it two months to ever get through uh, customs. And they, now that we've brought it back over here, they have no idea why they're putting a piece of unleavened bread on a cup of uh, uh, grape juice. But they know that somebody's buying it and that'd be us. But you know what we know? I know when I pull that piece of plastic off of there and I peel that little sliver of bread out, I know who that's a picture of. And I know that that bread represents the body of the Lord Christ. And I know that that body was broken. And I know that he told me as oft as you eat this, hey, do it in remembrance of me. I know who it represents. So, this is another memorial feast. Passover's memorial. Unleavened bread's memorial. Maybe you'll think of this the next time you... You're going to, I know what you're going to do. When you get that cup, you're going to say, where's this made? You're going to be looking. Hide the box, Lisa. Don't let them know. But we take communion. We do it in memorial, in remembrance of the Lord. We're going to get in a couple more feasts. Next Sunday night, I plan on doing another one. And, and, and it's business is going to pick up. These are things we still, we still observe and recognize. The Passover and the unleavened bread. And it's speaking of the, of the holy walk with Christ. When the leaven's been removed. And that's where he wants us. That's where he wants us. Every now and then, we need to stop and just clean the leaven out of the house. Just clean it out. That's why we come to church. That's why we come and pray. That's why we pray at home. That's why we read the Bible. I'm telling you, it takes a lot of work to keep the leaven out of Mike McCoy. Come get us a song. Someone might have a little leaven in them tonight. Say, I don't have any of that. Sure you do. You know who's got more leaven than anybody else? The one that says he ain't got no leaven. The heart's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know the heart? The Lord knows. That's right.
I posted something. I don't post a lot of stuff, but I seen this the other day, and I shared it. Or I didn't post it. I shared it. I, I don't post. I share. I seen this other day. I shared this thing, and it was, it, I think it was C.H. Spurgeon that said, while everybody else is trying to build themselves up, I'm amazed. I find myself at the foot of a cross amazed that I'm even saved. I'm amazed that I'm even saved. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to sing a song. You, if you need to pray, maybe it's not Levin. You've got somebody you're praying for. You're welcome to come while we sing. Pastor Mike McCoy, thanking you for joining us at the Time of Truth.